This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 468. And the quote of the day is, you change the world by being yourself. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. Hey, hey, what's happening? Nick Ruffini here. Episode 468 of the Drummer's Resource Podcast. And we're getting up there. We're closing in on uh, on the big 500. So I think I'm going to have to do something special for for the 500th episode. Uh, quickly, this episode and a lot of the episodes in the past are brought to you by Dream Symbols. And I have been working with those dudes for a long time. They're a great family over there at Dreams. Not to mention, they make amazing symbols that are priced well below the competitors. And I was just at NAMM and we were hanging out at the booth and seeing people come over and listening to them and play them for the first time was was pretty cool. People were freaking out because they are, they're great symbols. Check them out. Go to dreamsymbols.com and, uh, and give them a listen. I think you'll be happy. So let us get into this conversation today with Brian Carter. And I've been wanting to have Brian Carter on for a long time. He is, I mean, he's not so young anymore. He's, he's, uh, 28, but, he has been on the scene for a long time. He went to Juilliard, and he is a master jazz drummer. And we get we get pretty deep in this in this conversation. I, I think Brian actually mentions it one or once or twice, uh, thinking, "Oh, I thought we were going to sort of talk about paradiddles and and all that sort of stuff." But uh, no, we got pretty deep, and, and Brian shares uh, some amazing insights and just great advice, definitely wise beyond his years, and talks about some personal struggles, how he overcame those. And to me, it's just a a great, inspiring story for anyone listening who may be struggling with some things, but also just a motivator to to just kind of go out and get what you want. I mean, like I said, he's he's pretty – he's not too young now, but, I mean, he, he got into this game pretty early and was hustling at a young age. So uh, some motivation for you to get out there and do that as well. So let's get into it with my man, Brian Carter. Brian Carter, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? <laughs> I am I am fantastic. I should I should be you know I should let everyone know that uh, you and I already said hi to each other off air. Yeah, we we had a like a you know two minute conversation before this began. So <laughs> I feel like I'm lying every time you come on, like someone comes on, and I'm like, "Hey, how are you?" And you're like, "You just asked me that." <laughs> well, it's it's a formal greeting for everyone who's listening. <laughs> there you go. How are how are you and how are you out there listening? All of the all the people in podcast land. So. Um, <laughs> This, I mean, we're up in like the 460s something, uh, but that is no reflection of where I think that you stand sort of in the uh, in the hierarchy of, of drummers, man. I, I've wanted to get you on here for a long time, so I'm, I'm glad that we finally made it ha- better late than ever. Uh, but uh, I'm super glad that we have this opportunity today to chat. Man, thank you so much for having me. And uh, I would have happily been in the seven or eight hundreds, so... <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe, I don't know, who knows, you know, maybe we'll, we'll get you back for, for another episode, depending on how this goes, you may, and you may be like, I never want to talk to that guy again. No. Uh, no. So tell me a little bit about, tell me a little bit about young Brian Carter. I mean, you're still a young guy now, but I mean like young, young Brian Carter. Uh, how did you grow up? Where did you grow up? And how did you get into playing? 
Yeah, man. So I, I come from basically a family of preachers and musicians. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like it's twofold for me. Um, I was born in Illinois, but like the St. Louis area, so southern Illinois. People think about Illinois and they only think about Chicago, but Illinois is like a, a pretty massive state. And it, right, right. it has all kinds of different stuff, you know. It can be very rural or it can be, you know, very industrial city like um, so I was born like kind of by the St. Louis area. My dad was a high school band director down there um, at Lincoln High School. And he actually had some really incredible drummers uh, go through his high school program. People like Terry on Gully and Montez Coleman, some, some really bad cats. Nice. Um, and so, yeah, I, I grew up, you know, until age five, like spending tons and tons of time in that band room, you know, listening to jazz. So I, it's really weird because I'm like one of the only people I know in my friend group who's like, yeah, I remember like listening to jazz and like being three years old and wanting to hear Duke Ellington. And <laughs> right. <laughs> so it was like that plus, you know, going to church, you know, three days a week and I wanted to play drums in the church and I was too small. Anyone who grew up, who grew up in the church knows that there's like a hierarchy of drummers. Right. So there's like a, a long line of cats watching this, like the main cat who's playing. But like I had little bongo drums and then, you know, I, I would hear pop music, you know, from my older brothers. I'm one of five and I'm the youngest boy. So my brothers controlled the radio. They control, I guess at that time, you know, they controlled the tapes. <laughs> so. Yeah, which is normal. I mean, which is good. You know, like I've 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 mentioned that before on the podcast that like having older siblings sort of uh, improves your. Uh, this is my opinion, but I think it it improves your musical taste and palate faster than maybe your friends if they don't have older siblings. Oh, for sure. You know, and with my dad being a high school band director, I felt like I had, you know, two hundred older brothers and sisters. Right. You know? Right. And, uh, so I got to hear a lot of music growing up. When I was about six, my dad took a job at a university in northern Illinois. So we went to the opposite end of the state. Um, and yeah, I was kind of like immersed in this program that he had there as well as you know continuing to play in church. And I was playing violin and singing in church and playing organs, and, you know, doing all kinds of different stuff. And uh, I, it was really unique because, you know, my dad being the head of this college program, he could bring in guest artists. So he had all kinds of incredible musicians come through, drummers and otherwise, people like Benny Golson and and Ed Thickpin and Louis Belson and just like really incredible musicians uh, wow. that I got to spend time with when I was younger. How much do you think that that played into your development as a player? Uh, a ton, a ton because, you know, I, I got to meet and spend time with these masters and it was like three levels. I got to see them mentor these college students. And then at the same time, there's like the college students who I already looked up to that, you know, there was me and it was like, all right, I see like the steps and the progressions that I need to get, get to, or I need to go through, you know, I need to get to this level. And then once I'm at this level, I get to this next level. And it's like, I kind of understood how the pyramid worked, Mm -hmm. you know, from, from a very young age. And my dad was super, super, super hard on me. You know, um, I remember like being like five years old, six years old and, you know, me being in his you know program in Chicago and him telling me to like play the ride cymbal. He's like, son, that don't sound like no jazz ride cymbal. 
It sounds like country <laughs> western music, you know. And I would like go home with like tears in my eyes and go practice. And you know, my mom was like, "You're being way too hard on him." But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, was he a drummer? Uh, my, dad's he a drummer? A, my dad's a my dad's a a woodwind specialist, like plays okay. clarinet and saxophone. Okay. But he was notoriously hard on drummers. You can ask any drummer who went through his programs. Like he was. He was really hard on drummers. Really, you, the <laughs> interesting thing about like about you know being under your 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 father's instruction, or I mean, same thing with me with working for my father. Uh, most people think there's a lot of nepotism and that you get treated with you know that they're not as hard on you. And it's normally what I found. It's the opposite. It's you get treated worse than everybody. Like my dad was always harder than me on me than he was to all of all of our other employees. And I'm I'm wondering, was your dad the same way? Like was he was he uh, was he harder on you than everyone else? Or he was he was pretty harsh on everyone. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I I don't think anyone got the impression that he went any lighter on me. Uh, right. You know, I talked to there's a great trumpet player in New York, Marquise Hill, and like. We talk about just like growing up. My dad was so hard on me, man. He <laughs> he was not taking any prisoners, and there was never really like a like man, great job, you know. Until I was much older, right? I remember being being in college, and like people would be like, "Man, your your dad's really proud of you." I was like, "Really?" <laughs> he didn't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> you know that wasn't a thing. And like now, as an adult, he's always like, "Yeah, I'm so proud of you." You know, it's like a completely right. different thing, but. Man, I yeah. like I not only like I I get that I totally one hundred percent get it. That is a, like you are describing my childhood for dead serious. Like you know, and everybody's like, "Oh, you make your dad so proud." I'm like, "Well, he didn't tell me that." You know, <laughs> and now that I'm older, he's like, he same deal. It's like I'm so proud of you, and you're like, "Well, why did you tell me that when I was seven? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's that that tough love, old school kind of thing. Yeah, I think that there's something to be said about that, though. Don't you think? Like, I mean, in a, especially in a world now where there's like 11th place trophies and stuff, that like everyone is not great. Everyone, I think everyone can achieve greatness, but like everyone's not great. And I think that I I believe in that tough love. How do you feel about that? Especially inside of the band room or or dealing with with you know other musicians in private instruction and things like that. Man, this has been a uh, this has been a this is something that I think about a lot. I do a lot of education um, and I'm always kind of like, you know, treading that, that balance of like tough love versus being like super, super nurturing. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I remember the first camp I ever, you know, taught it. I was like 18 years old, you know, at a camp with a bunch of like 15 year olds. So I was like, man, I'm just going to be like really nice and really loving because that's not really what I got. Mm-hmm. And like the kids just like walked all over me. And there's a great educator um, in Illinois named Reginald Thomas. And he does a lot of stuff with like the Carnegie Hall um, youth jazz program and just really world renowned educator. And he was like, you know, he calls me B-Man. B-Man, you know, I started teaching. I became a college professor when I was 23 years old. And the first thing I learned when I was like that young is like, you can't smile you know, you can't, <laughs> you just gotta, you just gotta go like a hard ass, you know? Don't let them know until, you have a heart. <laughs> yeah. And so like, I, I tried that approach and like that would get some results. And then I would have like band directors from Adam and they were like, you're way too hard on our kids, you know? Um, and so now I'm 28 now. It's like, I don't think the kids think that I'm their age anymore. So mm-hmm. it's, 
it's a bit different, but you know, I've, I feel like I've grown a lot and I've learned a lot since I started, you know, doing clinics and stuff when I was 20, 21. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm at this point, I know musicians who will go to clinics and go to master classes and they want to be asked back and they want to get that paycheck. And so they will walk into a room and lie to children. And for me, like, what, never, how, what do you like lie to them? Man, you guys so? are amazing. You guys are, man, this is one of the best bands I've ever, you guys are absolutely incredible. Oh my gosh. You guys are amazing. Uh. You know? And I've never been one to just like go and just lie, lie to people to their face. Right. You know? And I always start off every clinic. I'm like, everything I say, I say from a place of love because I truly have a tremendous amount of love and respect, especially if you're trying to play this music. You're trying to play jazz. Like, you know, we don't see too many young people out here itching to play jazz music. So I have nothing but a tremendous amount of love and respect for each and every one of you. And I'm not going to, to, you know, diminish you or, you know, lie to you so right. I'm, I'm gonna be very truthful with you for the next 90 minutes right and and i respect that because if, if you and i are in a lesson and i f- i sound like tennis shoes in the dryer and you're like oh man you sound great who does that help it helps no one right it doesn't help me it doesn't help me like it, sure it helps my ego maybe it makes me feel better about myself until i go play with someone else and they're like no you sound like tennis shoes in the dryer you know so i i applaud that approach i i don't I don't think that you should be praised for things that you shouldn't be praised for. Right. You know, I was, I was at a university last year and like, you know, I, it's still, you know, at certain times I'll walk in and people are the same age as me or they're a little bit older than me. And it's just like, I just told them like it is, you know, I told them like it, like it is. And, you know, I think some people were very taken aback by that. And then, you know, afterwards it's like, okay, cool. You know, we all go out, to drinks and we'll all go ahead and have you know have a good time and it's like they're like oh man we thought you were kind of a jerk <laughs> man i'm you know i'm just i want you to be better like you want to be a professional musician like i want to help you achieve that right uh, no i think i think you're cool i just think your ride symbol sounds like crap so you should work on that <laughs> yeah like you know you, you don't practice i can hear that you don't practice and you don't take this seriously right and they're right. like well yeah you're, you're not wrong yeah so let me ask you this. It it seems like you have, for most of your life, and I, obviously I don't know you like intimately, but just from based on this conversation, the things I've read about you, the things that I know about you, that you've seen, you've been an an outlier or or maybe someone who doesn't completely fit in from a from a norm perspective because you're younger, right? Because you're saying, okay, most of my friends that I was hanging out with weren't listening to jazz. Was that was that ever a struggle for you to to like figure out where your place was in the world because you are this young kid that plays jazz and then you go and give clinics and some of the people are older than you or or you're going into situations where you're like the young the the really young guy on the block did that did that affect you at all? Um, I mean, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, you you find communities like when I was in high school. I remember going to my first like real jazz camp. It's called Birch Creek. It's in Wisconsin. And, you know, I ended up being bunkmates with this kid um, named Gabe Med. 
He's a great trumpet player, lives in New York City. We're still really good friends to this day. And and I met Adam Larson and, you know, and then I after that I did the Grammy band and the Brubeck Institute and uh, the Vail Jazz Foundation program and like kind of like all of these audition-based conglomerate groups um, that you can do as a high school student. And like I met a community of friends who were also outliers. And I was like, oh, wow, there's other you know, kids who want to play jazz and who practice all the time and, you know, who are really into this thing. And then, you know, you go to college and it's just like, you're just amongst friends, you you know, and things kind of normalize. Um, so, I mean, I don't, I guess like when I was like really young, when I was in high school and stuff, like I just didn't care, <laughs> you know, right. it's like, everyone's like, oh man, Brian's like that that music nerd, he's that jazz guy. It's like, cool. You know, I didn't really hang out with that many kids who went to my high school to begin with. I usually hung out with the guys who were in college. Um, but yeah, I mean, as I, as I got older, like I felt like an outlier for, you know, other reasons. And, you know, it definitely shapes who you are as, as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, but what were, what I were think- the reasons why you felt like an outlier as an, as you got older? Oh, and there's there's a bunch of like personal stuff there, but <laughs> you know, okay. it's like there's I don't know how deep you want to go on this podcast. Let's, I don't let's know how get deep it, you usually go. You know, I'm um, I'm as deep as you are uh, willing to go. Man, there's there's all kinds of of different reasons. Like primarily, the first one is like being a part of the LGBT community. It's like I always I always felt like super alienated from just everyone, especially in jazz, because jazz is just like such this like macho, you know, masculine art form, at least mm-hmm. from the inside looking out. There was it's like it's sort of like sports too. Yeah. I mean, to a, to a lesser degree, definitely. But mm-hmm. yeah, you know, there's, there's kind of like that element and it's vastly changing, you know? Right. It was like really hard for me to like accept myself and to like put myself out there because, you know, I'd been on the road and I'd heard the way that people talk. And it's like, yeah, I don't want to, you know, deal with that. And I was aware right. of other musicians who I look up to who are in my situation who just, like, don't say anything. Really? You know? And it was like, yeah, and I'm, of course, I'm not going to mention anyone on this podcast. Right, right, all right. <laughs> we don't need to go that deep. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, you know, I, I really... YouTube was really big for me, like watching, you know, people's like coming out videos and like dealing with, you know, that personal stuff. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of friends who would just like walk up to me and be like, bro, we you know it's cool. And I'd be like, no, you know, and not want to deal with it. And right. it started to get in the way of the music. It's like definitely I feel like in your personal life, when you're not being open, when you're not being free, it does affect the music, you know, especially in improvisational music. So, yeah, that was that was like one thing. But again, I have an incredible community of you know musicians that I play with and friends and mm-hmm. and family. You know, I'm on the road with my band. Like I live with these like my brothers. You know, and right. you know they they make you feel wanted and they make you feel accepted. And things are definitely changing in the New York community um, because we're uplifting one another and we're you know inspiring one another. And I want to do that for other drummers and other young jazz musicians who may be dealing with the same, the same things. So there's like one that, and then there's, you know, two, just like, 
you know, when you're going through stuff and when you're growing and developing as a musician, it's like there's all kinds of, you know, I, I don't really know a better word for it. we <laughs> We call it like bitchery amongst my friends. <laughs> Sorry, you can bleep that out if you want. <laughs> no, no, no. We, like, you, we, you have a uh, car blanche. You can say whatever you want. It's just like, you know, it's just people, especially with social media, it's like, man, this cat is doing this gig. This cat's playing like this. And, you know, or this cat's like disrespecting me. So I don't like this cat. And mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like the whole like, just like petty. Yeah, I feel like it's like petty jazz school nonsense. And there was so much of it. And I think I had to be like 23 when I was just like, there's not enough of us out here to like not like each other, <laughs> exclude yeah. each other from our communities, you know? And yeah, it's, it's just, I like actually that just saw, I, I just saw someone post today uh, that I actually, I reposted and said the music industry is too small for people not to be supportive of each other. Exactly. You know? And it's like, and word travels quickly too so whether it's like you know negative or positive it's gonna it's gonna spread spread quickly so you know i like being on the on the right side of history with that kind of stuff exactly you know i'm at a point now it's like i'm i'm climbing towards 30 and i'm just like i don't i don't have time i don't have the energy to outwardly dislike people right you know so i'll hear from someone someone's just like so and so said that you know you don't, they think that you don't like them. And I'm like, I, I don't have the energy. Like, just have them call me. <laughs> like, we'll have lunch. I want right. to spell that rumor right now. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I will say on this podcast right now, like I currently do not dislike, I do not harbor resentment towards anyone. You know? I'm the same anyone, exact way. I love that. You know, that's, that's how we got to be, especially for drummers. You know, we have to yeah. be like one another because that's not the way that like, trumpet players operate they all want to like go after each other it's like we have Mm -hmm. to be cool (laughs) yeah i want to i want to put a thumbtack in this for a minute and i want to rewind a little bit um to talk because i i'm i know that there has to be people listening who um who are struggling with the same thing same things that you were struggling with with coming out you know being open and honest about about yourself and so a, a couple questions about that one was it was it the idea of of being honest and the idea of coming out was it was that worse than the actual backlash that you got or or not even backlash but response that you got from your friends family community when you actually did come out no i mean again it's like twofold there's like this religious element coming from like a family of like ministers and preachers. And, you know, I was in church like four days a week as a kid, you know? Right. So there's like, right. there's that whole personal element of it. And then there's like this fear of like, what can this do to me professionally? Right. You know, well, people want to be on the road with me. And also it just like, it was making me a, a really mean person, like just bottling all of that up. Like it was making me not mean, but just dark, you know? Right. Right. Like it, that's, that's a lot of weight to carry. Um, as far as like backlash, there was literally no backlash. <laughs> right. I mean, that's kind of the craziest part. I mean, I've, I've heard like so-and-so be like, man, this guy called you a fag, you know, just like that kind of nonsense. And like, I'm the kind of person, like, I'll just walk up to a person and be like, yo, I heard you said that. That's not, that's not cool. 
Right. You know, and they'll either be like, I was just joking. And they'll be like, I didn't say that. And it's like, oh, uh, what are you talking about? Yeah. You know, and it's like, who who cares to a certain degree? Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, it makes you look bad. It makes you look like a small person. So, right. Um, right. yeah, there was no, there was no backlash. I mean, I think one of the most rewarding things is like, I've had tons of like young musicians and young drummers like come and confide with, confide in me and, um, I get to like help them through their own personal journey. And it's, it's one that you, I guess you can do alone, but it feels so much better when you have like a support system and you're doing it with other people mm-hmm. who've been through something like that. So for sure. And I, I don't, I can't speak from experience, but I know that, but just in general, the idea of like hiding something or, you know, or trying to uh, pretend that you're something that you're not or whatever, like you said, it's a lot of weight. It has to, it has, affects everything. If it affects your, your mood and your mentality and, and, and all of that, it's going to leak its way into the music. And I would imagine it just turns into like this spiraling thing. I don't think it's any different from like someone, you know, like having an affair or something and like they're, they're trying to keep up with their own lies kind of thing. Not that, not that, you know, it's the same situation by any means, but just the idea of like hiding something or yeah. And when you're, when you're trying to like, when you're trying to literally like, you know, keep a massive part of who you are, like a secret from everyone 24 hours a day, it's like you, you cannot fully focus on improving music, you know, especially when you're tired. Like there was this tour, like the summer before I came out, there was this tour that I did you know, and to this day, I have to apologize to these guys because I was just so cranky because I was just so stressed out. You know, I was like, I don't, I don't know how much longer I can like maintain this, this, you know, charade. And I was just the grumpiest, you know? Yeah. Um, it's gotta be hard. Yeah. It was really hard. What's funny is like, I have people, this bass player, uh, from London, you know, he was like, man, I saw this show like a long time ago where you played at Ronnie Scott's. He was like, man, you guys were playing with so much fire. And it was like, it was almost like you were going after each other. And I was like, yeah, we, we had a pretty, pretty big blow up before that gig, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like what you were saying was, was real. It wasn't, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't synthesized, you know? So. Right. And that's also, that's also a testament to your musicianship to be able to to be able to take that aggression and that anger out on the stage again, not that I'm saying it's a, you know, we should necessarily do that as musicians, but like that's real. Sometimes that, that happens and, and that, if that changes the music for sure. Yeah, man, you gotta, I guess you gotta leave it all in the music. I mean, that's, what's incredible about jazz music. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, we listen to like Alabama, John Coltrane, listen to like, you know, Max and, and Mingus and how all of these guys put what they were feeling, their frustrations, their, their jubilation, um, into the music and they were able to do so. And it's nothing but just like pure emotional intelligence. Um, yeah. And it, it transcends words in a way, you know, they're saying something that can be felt on an entirely different level uh, by saying it through the music uh, versus just using their words to to try to get their point across. Right, right. There's 
There's this, this is kind of like a weird, like esoteric thing, but I, I don't know if you've ever heard of it or not. So have you ever heard of sex transmutation? I've, I've not. Okay. So you're probably like, where is this going? So, uh, <laughs> there's, there's a, um, there's a book, uh, called Think and Grow Rich by a guy named Napoleon Hill. So he talks about this idea of sex transmutation and it's basically like sexual energy that you have that you can channel into other things. So like a lot of people use it for business or because they talk about like how powerful it is where, you know, where guys will like go cheat on their wives or whatever it is. And they'll do, they'll make, they'll make decisions because they can't control that sort of that sexual energy. And, but on the flip side, you can channel it and use it for good and use it to like, to drive you in a certain direction. So like you can use it for business or in your practice or in, you know, in music or, or however you want to, uh, you want to channel that energy. Um, and it made me think, it made me think of it a little bit. I know this is a little bit out there and you're probably like, you're a weirdo. Um, but it just made me think of it when you were talking about like emotional intelligence and, and, and channeling what you have inside and, and putting it out, uh, through some other means other than talking right? So like channeling that sort of energy, it just reminded me of that. And I like, I don't think I've ever even talked about it on the podcast, but it's an interesting concept. There's not a ton of information out there about it. Um, but I remember reading about it in, in Napoleon Hill's thinking grow rich. I just thought it was a super interesting concept. I definitely have to, uh, check that one out. <laughs> I've never <laughs> ever heard of that, but yeah, it sounds super interesting. You're a really smart guy. Jeez. I, no, I read it in a book. <laughs> I mean, I, I play drums. Like, I, you know, we're talking well. about completely like, different, like, psychological. Yeah, you're in a different place. All right. <laughs> Sorry. About I took it in a different place. <laughs> no, I, like, I just need to get on that level. You know? I, just, I just pictured you kind of, like, sitting there with your eyes, like, really wide open, lean back a little <laughs> bit, and being like... This dude, you're like, all right, so uh, I gotta, I gotta wrap this one. No, up. man, I'm, I'm just like, I just made tea, like I'm, you know, I'm just having <laughs> nice. a cup of tea. Nice. <laughs> I'm just chilling. I'm eating up nice. with Drew shows later. I'm just like, oh, you, you are? Know. Yeah, I'm getting dude, ready for like I'm hanging, you know. So, oh man, he is my buddy. I love that dude. I just talked to him like literally like three or four days ago. Please tell him I said hello. We'll do. He's the oh man, he's the man. Um. So, uh, oh, so I, you were mentioning before about like, about having this energy or, you know, having the time or the need or the want to, to be negative or worry about the pettiness and what other people were thinking. And I wanted to ask you, like, have you cut people out of your, out of your inner circle? I know that there has been guys that I would play with and every time they call me, they were complaining about this and about that. And I was like, man, you know, I'm thinking it's not, it's not them or me, it's you. You're the one that has the problem with all of these people. And uh, so I just started cutting people out. Like, I just can't, I can't deal with that negativity. I would, I didn't know if you have gone down that road at all where you're like, man, I just can't, I can't be around that person anymore. Um, a little bit, but you know, mostly I feel like that's me. <laughs> so I mean, not about everything, but it's just like, you know, I feel like that's sensitive. you. How so? I'm super, or I guess was me. I don't know. I'm, I'm super sensitive. I realize that about myself. Um, you know, I, I try to surround myself with people who are uplifting and, and positive. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like I don't I don't know too many people who are just like the biggest drags. There's only really a handful of people that I had to kind of not not in relationships with, but you know, just be mindful of the type of relationship that I'm keeping with them. 
right. um, to not like pull me into a dark place. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I feel like as artists, it's like it's we can be like emotionally volatile, um, and it's just mind. You have to be mindful about the type of relationships that you have with certain people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I've cut anyone out. You know, right? Just limited your your time in them. Yeah, it limited my interaction and just like, again, it's just like, I know that I can't have this type of conversation with this type of person. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, they, they, and they say that you're the average of the five people you spend the most amount of time with. So if if you're hanging out with all these negative people that are, that are dragging you down or complaining and, you know, bitching and this and that, like, where's you, where are you going to go? You're going to go there as well. So I think that's exactly. a super important lesson. And if you can be the person on the other side that's, you know, the positive person that can bring other people up, I think that we should try to do that as well. Exactly. I mean, I try to surround myself in general, like, with people from all different types of backgrounds, people who aren't the music, people who work in finance, people who work in, you know, science, technology, uh, just trying to surround myself with people who make me better, a more well-rounded individual you know i feel like the people who are in my band like each of them knows so many different skills <laughs> you know it's like lucas pino can play the crap out of the tenor saxophone but he can sit down and he can have a conversation with you about astrophysics you know one of my See, now that's a smart guy <laughs> oh, he's he's incredible it's like you know the like my favorite producer that I work with, his name is Drew of the Drew. And he's a bass player, but he also just knows, he knows everything. Like, you know, he's just the smartest guy I know. And yeah, those are the kinds of people that I want to be around because I feel like they make me better. I've always noticed that there seems like there's two kinds of people. There's sort of like the Renaissance guy or girl that that sort of knows a lot about a lot of things. Or the other side of the coin is like the person that's completely myopic and is like, <laughs> I know how to play drums and I know how to play drums. And you're like, they don't like, they can't boil water. They can't, like, <laughs> they can't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they can't boil water. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's always, it's always interesting to me. And, and I don't know which, I don't know which way is better for, for art. I think for life, I think going, you know, knowing more than just one thing is good, but like, do you think that you can that you can accomplish what you want behind the kit as an artist and truly master the craft without being one hundred percent myopic and 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 just dedicating yourself to that and nothing else? I think that there has to be a certain point where you're totally like zoned in on that one individual craft. Um. I mean, I feel like I, I spend a lot of time behind the drums. I, I do. I spend a lot of time behind the drums. I spend a lot of times focusing, a lot of time focusing on the art of percussion and spending time with the pad and you know just trying to like develop a sound and listening and things that are solely related to drumming. But even even in school, this would get me in trouble. You know, being a Juilliard, it's like. I knew that there was like a bunch of other stuff that I wanted to do. Like I wanted to learn how to write for orchestra because that was something that I enjoyed. I enjoyed arranging. I enjoyed 
composition. Like I grew up singing. I enjoyed that. You know, I figured out very quickly, you know, that I, I didn't just want to be like a drummer sideman. Like I wanted to be my own band leader. I wanted to do all these other things. And then aside from that, it's like, I know how to like run a business. <laughs> like I know how to do that. You know, I got into this video stuff recently. So it's like, I enjoy doing that. I, I found like something I don't think that I'm, I'm not a great video editor, you know. I'm not a great camera. I think you person. are, man. I watched I watched your vlogs. I think they're I think they're really good. Well, I, I appreciate that, but I mean, I don't I don't think that I could like sit down and edit a feature film, <laughs> like you know. Right. I'm, that's not something that I've studied, but it's something that I enjoy. So I I, I feel like there's like a balance, you know. It's mm-hmm. you, if I dedicated like five years of simply studying like video editing, like I could probably get to that level of being able to you know fully edit a documentary and make it look professional and send it into festivals but that's probably something that I'm not going to do whereas I'm going to I've already invested 25 years into the drums and I'm going to continue to do that and I'm going to continue to study scores and the art of orchestration and I'm going to continue to put together bands and groups and go on tours and you know yeah it's just like finding that balance but do you of, think of doing both? Do you think that where you are in your playing, granted, there's no you know there's no goal line, so you don't you don't arrive. But do you think that where you're at in your playing, you could actually step back? Not that not that you uh, you want to, but like step back from the drums a little bit in terms of like a development standpoint and work on the video stuff and not really lose that much of an edge, if any, playing drums. Because I think, I mean, like, go ahead. No, no, you, you go, you go. Well, I was just going to say because I think, like, in the beginning as a player, you know, you have the first ten years, like, you're just a sponge. Every day, you're getting exponentially better. But you know, once you get to a certain point, I don't see people getting exponentially better at drums, right? I feel like they're they play better, sure, and like they their tone is better, or their you know their dynamics, or their the way that they can you know. They're orchestrating around the kit and things like that. But like if you see a f- the difference between a five-year-old and a 10-year-old who's been playing for five years and a 35 and a 45-year-old that's been playing for 30 years, like it's not that big of a jump. So what? this is a very long way of me asking. Like you get to a point where like you can sort of get to like I always say like cruising altitude and then like focus on launching another plane. Right. I think that, <clears throat> I mean, I, I guess it's really something I, I noticed when I started touring when I couldn't practice like four hours a day, you know, I couldn't practice five hours a day anymore because I was living out of suitcases and hotels. Um, yeah, I think it, there's like a point in your development where it's like you, you've put the time in, in the practice room and then it becomes more about just like playing with people and absorbing, you know, mm-hmm. you can, you can be 20 years old. There are tons of 20 year olds in the city who sound amazing. They sound great, but it's like, I can go hear them three different nights and it's like one night they'll sound amazing. The next night they'll sound okay. And the third night it'll be like, eh, you know, and it's right. like after a certain point, it becomes about consistency mm-hmm. where like your worst night sounds incredible 
or you're playing at the same level night after night. Right. And then just like individual like sound and development. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I can put on like three masterful drummers of any period of any genre and like I can I, I can know it's them. And even amongst right. my peers, like like the young guys, like I know my peers. Like if you put on Corey Fonville, I know what Corey Fonville sounds like, I know what Jonathan Barber sounds like, I know what Joe Dyson sounds like, I know what Jimmy McBride sounds like. It's like I can hear my peers and know that it's them. Mm-hmm. Um in the same way that I can put on Elvin, Tony, Art Blakey, and like know that it's those guys. Or I can put right. on Harland and put on Kareem and put on Hutch and know that it's them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I I feel like you can step away, and I feel like eventually, if you're gonna be working, you're gonna be a working drummer. You'll have no choice but to kind of like step back a little bit from the kit. Mm-hmm. But a part of like being a consummate professional and a part of like being dedicated to this craft is like knowing how to make the most out of you know that little small period that little small window of like practice and and devotion to the instrument that you have sure sure and the reason why i brought that up is now i think we're in such like a fragmented world and like we have this microwave mentality that you a lot of times we'll see other people and like, let's take like Questlove, right? And they're like, people are like, oh, he's like, he was a drummer and then he's, he's a music director and he's a DJ and he writes books and he does this and he does that. But my thought is always, yeah, well, he mastered one thing first, <laughs> right? playing drums, right? And like, there's a, there's a guy named Chase Jarvis, who's a photographer. And now he like, you know, runs a company and does speaking and blah, blah, and does all these things. It's like, he mastered being a world-class photographer, first and out of the out of that one discipline of mastering that one discipline then all of these other opportunities start to pop up and i'm guessing that that you start to see that too it's like because you're a master drummer that there's other opportunities there's other things that you're like oh this thing i could have never like dreamed that this thing would happen or I could never like have thought, oh, this company is going to contact me to ask me to be in like this commercial or something had I not mastered the instrument first. Yeah. I mean, I still don't think that I've mastered the instrument. Like there are times where I listen back and I'm just like, God, I suck. I'm the worst. Um, (laughs) But there's, there's definitely a thing that happens like when you start putting your hand in other pots, um, people people are going to say things about your, your drumming. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's a cat that I really looked up to and it's like, I, you know, he, he has said, he's just like, man, Brian Carter needs to learn how to play the drums. Brian Carter can't play the drums, Brian, Car-, you know, and I, I hear it all the time. Really? And yeah. And like at first it bothered me, but then I realized it's just like, man, this cat plays the drums and it's like, I do, 15 different things you know mm-hmm. and in his mind it's like this cat isn't playing the drums he's doing all this other stuff he can't play the wow. drums you know and that's that's fine you know, everyone's gonna have their own opinion about that sure um but yeah like i again like i have a lot of interest um i've worked really hard to like try to diversify the things that i can do and like what i can offer mm-hmm. um and so i'm going to try to continue to develop all of those things. I think 
I think it's easy for people to criticize. <clears throat> and most of the time, I think that people criticize because they can't do what the other person wants to do or is doing, you know, and they're like, oh, I can't do that. Or they're getting all the gigs or why is, you know, this company putting them on their webs on the homepage of their website or putting them in magazines? I want to do that. And it's like the easiest way for me to, to be okay with that is I can attack them personally, you know, and, and I can talk shit on them because I'm insecure in the stuff that I'm doing. That's just my opinion. And well, it all goes back to bitchery. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so you hear that, kids? Don't, don't, uh, don't partake in the bitchery. Yeah, um, let's all be good people. Let's all be nice to each other. <laughs> I like it. So what are the other things that – what are the other buckets that you have your hand in or, or things that, you're, that you want to explore? I mean we obviously talked about the video editing stuff and that seems to be something that's piqued your interest. And uh, I'm always interested in hearing the other buckets because I think a lot of times we get that negative, that negative feedback or that you know people that bitchery of people being like, oh, stay stay in your lane, you know, or like if I if I'm if I'm interested in a couple of different things, then I'm not like a real drummer or something like that, which I think is complete BS. So, what are some of the other things that you're interested in or that you're trying to trying to do? Yeah, man, it's I mean they all kind of go hand in hand. Um, another one is like the, the band leading thing, the orchestration thing. Um, I have a new record that's pretty much finished and we're, you know, shopping it around and seeing how we're going to release it. Um, that's, that's coming out and, you know, being a vocalist and, you know, I'm like singing on albums that I'm not playing drums on. And like, that's very new to me and very strange. And, um, orchestrating and arranging and you know I a couple of years ago when I first graduated from from school one of the ways that I kind of like kept my kept myself afloat is I was you know doing orchestral reductions and people would call me from like pops orchestras and be like can you arrange this Beatles tune for our orchestra and like you know I had my hand in that and um you know I recently just shot a, a thing for this new arts network called All Arts and um, you know, I, I went to a play and I interviewed, you know, the director and, you know, talked to some of the, the actors and get to talk back and, um, you know, kind of being like a host and a personality and they all kind of go hand in hand. It's like, I want to be a good representative for, for jazz and for the drum community and for, you know, what I do. And yeah, it's like, they're all kind of related. They're all kind of like cousins to one another. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, they're, it's all it's all entertainment, right? And I think it's I think it's smart, especially the fact that one, you have the skill set to do a lot of those things, and two, they <clears throat> one hand washes the other. So you know, you're putting something together for a little film or documentary, and it's like we need music, and you're like, oh, I got that covered too, you know. And so you can sort of uh, diversify your offerings if i mean as, as cheesy as that sounds but like it makes sense it's not like you're like well i got this i got a car wash and you know i got this thing and you know my new thing now is just like being limited on time um right everything that i do like i have i have this web set up and i'm actually looking at it right now it's in it's in my room and it's divided into like different parts it's like brian carter the educator brian carter the personality brian carter the drunk brian you know and there's like all these bubbles. And so every project that I take on has to touch at least two of two or more of those 
those bubbles so that I know that like I'm creating forward momentum and I'm not just really? wasting time. Unless it's like a passion thing. You know, Christian McBride calls me and is like, I want you to just like play drums and not say anything. It's like, of course, I'm going to I'm going to go take that gig. Right. Done. But it's like <laughs> everything else. It's like I want it to touch you know, multiple pieces of that map, whether it's like you got to tell me or, about this web. Yeah, I'll send it to you. You know, it's just oh, it, man, I update it every it. few months. And it's it's just like, you know, it's a way for me to like look at my different skill sets, things that are my strengths. And then I have like another one for my weaknesses and like how to, you know, get better at those things. But looking at my strengths and making sure that I'm using two or more of those at all times. Otherwise, I don't feel like I'm really progressing or creating momentum. As you know, I was just at NAMM and I finally got a chance to check out the new Mapex Design Lab Series drums. Not only are the drums amazing and they sound great, but the new hardware system is something that you have to check out for yourself. They're leveraging over 30 years of drum making experience and extensive knowledge of the science of sound to bring new concepts to life. So through the sound first methodology and the concept hybrid approach, these drums provide an unparalleled opportunity to create uniquely tailored instrument systems with additional innovative options allowing the artist to further adapt the sound to their personal style. I recommend going to MapexDesignLab.com and checking it out for yourself. It's something that has never been done in the drumming world. Check it out. MapexDesignLab.com Let's get back into it with Brian Carter. So you have this web, which I would love if you could send it to me. I would. I'm, this is like I nerd out on this kind of stuff. I love this kind of stuff. Um, so... And then, so your strengths and weaknesses, how are, are they just displayed as sort of a list or are they part of the web too? No, they're part of the, the web. It's just like things are like in boxes and are circles. Um, how do you evaluate what is, how do you, one, how do you evaluate your strengths and weaknesses and how do you, how do you work on them? Because I think working I, on your weaknesses is not as easy as it sounds. Oh no, it's extremely difficult. Um, I don't know. I, I guess, I mean, this took place over the period of like six months putting this together, uh, six to eight months. And it, it started actually with just like journaling. I, I, a long time ago, I remember going over Winston Marsalis' apartment and he was telling me how like he writes down conversations that he has with people. Um, and he has like books and journals from 30 years ago and he'll go back and he'll be like, oh, here's a conversation I had with Leonard Bernstein. And he'll read it and he'll like have a second on his thoughts about that conversation. And, you know, he's constantly inspired by these past conversations. And so I was doing that. And then I started doing it with just like interactions with people and, and kind of just sorting out things that I'm good at and things that, you know, I need to improve upon. Um, yeah, I guess just like really sitting down and being honest, like think one, just kind of figuring out what you want to do, like what mark do you want to leave? Um, and then, like, what skill sets do you need to to get there? Mm-hmm. I think that's. Are you and you don't have and you can say no if you want. Are you comfortable like talking about some of the weaknesses? <laughs> uh, you know, I'm going to leave those alone for now. <laughs> okay, but. and and the only and I totally respect that. The reason, the only reason why I ask that is because I think a lot of times from the outside we see everyone shows the good, right? So it's like. 
whether it's like, you know, here's my car or like here's me playing or whatever it is. Like everyone gets caught up into that. And what I think is most interesting is like, oh, let me tell you a couple of things about like I'm a bad communicator or I'm bad at this or I'm bad at that. And I think it I think it humanizes people. And so you know, obviously we're not going to go into like specific weaknesses that you have, but like I like this idea of you just saying that like yeah, you know, of course like, I of I'll, course I have weaknesses. I'll 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 share, you know, a lot of them are like very personal and Yeah, I don't want to I don't do with other other people. I don't want to pry. I feel like I've already for, gotten like very personal, very deep on this podcast. Well, that's what I mean. Honestly, man, that's what this that's what this podcast is about. Like, you know, I, I don't talk about like technique and paradiddles. So. I totally thought we were going to talk about you know rudimental swing solos and like you know. No. Did you really? Yeah, I thought we were going into like the we're going to talk about like Shadow Wilson or something, but nope. we're really in it. Um, we're in it. <laughs> you know, one one of them is one of the weaknesses that I'm working on, you know, basically from this this past tour uh, in the summer to now, it's just like communicating with one person in general and just like the way that I need to communicate with this person. Because uh, I think if this person is one of the most talented people that, you know, I've ever met, and, but he there's a, a specific way that you need to address him and, and deal with him. Um, yeah. And so that's, that's one of the weaknesses that I'm working on right now. Okay. It's, it's I, I get frustrated with him. Okay. And like, I'll, I'll just be like, so-and-so I need you to do this and this and this, because when you did this, that wasn't working. Mm-hmm. And that's not the way that he can receive feedback. He needs to receive feedback in a different way. In a different way, right? So it's just like working on my communication with that individual person. There's another one that's like, you know, an, uh, a person I kind of like mentor. It's like the way I, I'm mindful of like always being very uplifting towards this person because this person's very he's on his own journey and like he, you know, it's just like I have to be uplifting towards this person. Right. So then there's other, you know, and there's stuff just like I need to be better at making sure that I'm writing down like every cent that goes in and every cent that goes out. Like mm-hmm. I just have like a box of receipts, and it's like I need to, I need to get better at just like using software and dealing with the software. Right. I want right. to, you know, I want to become more efficient at Ableton. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, I need to be better with Live. Working on television, you know, on NBC, it's like I was so far behind on the software train, and basically, like one of the music interns just became my like my tech guy, <laughs> and I, I basically stole him. Uh, <laughs> shout, shout out to Jordan right now, <laughs> but um, yeah. So there's there's all kinds of of weaknesses on this list, and this one's not really you know a web. It's just like weaknesses and then things that I'm doing to work on them and things that I'm doing to improve, improve. Nice. Nice. Cause I, I, and I, I uh, respect you doing that. And I appreciate you doing that because a lot of times it's like, Oh yeah. Everyone's like, Oh yeah, I suck at a lot of things, but here's the things I'm good at. I'm good at this thing and this thing. And And it's like, well, let's talk about the things that, that, because automatically I think that we go into, Oh, okay. The reason why 
insert name here, right? We'll just say Brian. The reason why Brian is successful is because he's good at all these things, and I'm not good at those things, right? But you don't talk about like, oh, he's bad at this and this and this. I'm actually really good at those things. Maybe I can use those to my advantage. So that was that was the uh, the premise of me me asking that. So I appreciate that. Um, I want to ask you one uh, one more thing, just sort of about like how you run your day. Or do you have a do you have a sort of morning routine or do you have things that you have to do every day that are sort of non-negotiables? Uh, do you meditate, gym, food, you know, that kind of stuff? What goes into your, your day-to-day? My day-to-day is so crazy. Um, and there are periods where it's not. Like December was pretty calm. But, I mean, even this interview, we've had to reschedule it. Like, <laughs> you know, I feel so horrible. We rescheduled it like four times. Right. You know? Right. Um, my day-to-day changes, like I, I try to wake up and the first thing that I want to do is go to the gym. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that's what I, I try to start with because that's where I kind of like find myself centered, just like working out and just like being focused for 45 minutes, being focused for an hour. Uh, I think that's really good for me just to like, you know, get a start on my day. Um, so we'll start there. Um, I'll go home. I'll spend some time on the pad. Um, I mean, I'm just going to use tomorrow as an example. So tomorrow, sure. 11:30, I have to go to a recording session. So I'll go to that recording session. Um, it starts at 11:30, so I'll probably show up at 10:30, 10:45-ish. Uh, set up, be ready to go. Um, it ends at 4:30. So at 4:30, I going to take a cab from Brooklyn to Manhattan and I have a rehearsal with Martina De Silva who's an exceptional vocalist everyone go check her out um so we're working up a duet um for a new record from our good friend Stephen Feifke um so we'll do that um after that I'm gonna go check out my friend's show at Smalls and then I will come home I'll have dinner somewhere in between those two things. Um, I'll come home. I'll arrange my schedule for the next day. Um, and yeah, that's it. (laughs) I like it. So not like super regimented, but you do have those things, you know, getting up. I, I think it's important to like, I don't, I don't think that getting up early or taking a cold shower or whatever, like makes you more successful, you know, but I do believe that, getting to the gym every day, whether you go in the morning or the afternoon or it doesn't really matter, but like just getting that exercise in, I think is super, super important. Me, I got to go in the morning. If I don't go in the morning, I don't go. Right. Cause, some, Cause something always gets in the way. You're like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, I don't know. You know, this, this should be bag. a new, this should be a new weakness for me because I have no regiment to my day. It's like, I don't even, I don't have a sleep schedule. Um, <laughs> my friend Cameron is always like, Dude, you never sleep. And it, it's not true. Like I'll sometimes I'll sleep in blocks, but a lot of times like I'll grab three hours, I'll wake up, do something, grab another two hours, like go about my day, like take a thirty minute nap in the middle of the day. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's just kind isn't, of like how I how I've always been. <laughs> isn't that how Einstein did it? He'd sleep like two and a half hours at a time. <laughs> Maybe. I don't I don't know if that's true, but Hey man, you may be onto something here. That's that's how I sleep. It's probably horrible <laughs> for you, but I have to remind myself to eat sometimes. It's like, oh yeah, I haven't had food today. I need to to do that. Yeah. But I, you know, I 
I'm a taskmaster. Like I just want to get everything done. I want to make sure that I'm being efficient in everything right. that I do. So yep, yeah, it's wasting time to me is the most frustrating thing in the world. So I get it. Uh, so where can people find out about find out more about you? Should they go to your website? Should they follow you on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that fun stuff, or all the above? Yeah, all the above. Um, hit me up on Instagram. It's just Brian Carter Music, and that's Brian with the Y because you know why not? Um, <laughs> so Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, it's all the same. Uh, my website is BrianCarterMusic.com. So yeah, come check it out. Shoot me a message. Tell me your thoughts. Positive or negative? No, no it. negativity. <laughs> no negativity. We can discuss. I don't. You know, someone's like, I didn't like when you said this. It's cool. We can have a discussion about it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Brian. First of all, thank you for for taking the time to do this because I know that you have an extremely busy schedule. Like you mentioned, we tried to schedule this a few times and and some things came up. Uh, so I appreciate you fitting it in. Two, uh, I want to commend you on on your courage and and for being an outspoken member of the LGBT community. And I I know that the listeners uh, appreciate that as well. So kudos for that. And congratulations on all the success that you had. And I wish you nothing but the best for 2019 and beyond. Nick, thanks for having me, man. This has been a lot of fun. Of course, man. My pleasure. You are welcome back anytime. And uh, again, thank you very much. It was great chatting with you. All right, man. Take care. Thanks. You too. That was a Brian Carter. Be sure to check him out. You can go to BrianCarterMusic.com and learn more about him. Keep an eye on where he's playing. Definitely check him out in New York or while he's on tour. Uh, definitely, definitely worth your while to go check him out. He's a phenom. My man is whew, smoking. Uh, anywho, so if you dig this podcast, do me a favor. Leave a rating or review. You can do that on iTunes. I always appreciate it. I like honest feedback. Uh, you know, five-star ratings are great, but I also like honest feedback so I can make the podcast better. Email me, all that fun stuff. You know that you can always reach out to me. And you can get the show notes by going to drummersresource.com forward slash session 468. And until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening, and I will be talking to you soon. Peace.